This is our believers meeting, October 8th, 2022. And we're in part two of Who is Your God? And we're starting in Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him I will trust. And the last time uh, we were talking on this subject, we saw that uh, one of the major causes for Israel's destruction and downfall over and over again was idolatry and turning away from God. That was, they had some other problems as well, but their major problem was um, idolatry and turning away from God to worship and serve other gods. Uh, and we saw that God is a jealous God. And we looked at some scriptures of how God feels about uh, how he feels when people turn away from him to worship and serve other gods. And it's unreasonable for people who reject God to expect uh, his help and his protection when they turn away from him. And when people veer off course from God, they are susceptible to bad things happening to them. And this holds true not only for individuals, but for entire nations. And the answer is to repent and make a course correction. Yes. And this push in our society today for uh, tolerance and inclusiveness is pushing people more uh, to get involved in idolatry to turn to other uh, things and to re replace God with other things in their lives and forsaking the one true living God. So today we're going to talk about uh, what we do in a time of need when we're in a situation that uh, in the natural looks impossible, when we have a, a need, uh, the the first thing we need to do is we need to acknowledge who our God is. Acknowledge who our God is. Who are we trusting? Who are we looking to? Who or what is our trust in? And secondly, we need to inquire of the Lord. We need to seek Him about what we are to do. In Proverbs 3 verse 6 it says, In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Uh, John 12, 49 and 50, Jesus said, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. Whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. So Jesus is the Word. He knew all the Word. But he didn't just pull some scripture out and start confessing it. He depended on his um, own personal relationship with the Father to determine where he was going to go, what he was going to do, and what he was going to say. Now, we've been blessed to learn uh, some faith principles from the Word of God, uh, speaking to the mountain, Believing you receive when you pray. Calling things that are not as though they were. Confessing the word. We've learned some of these faith principles. But um, 
We cannot separate exercising faith from being led by the Holy Spirit. So, so it's good to have the word in us. It's good to, to uh, know how to exercise our faith in these areas. But there are times when we can't just pull some scripture off the top of our head or out of the concordance and start confessing it. We need to hear from God about our particular situation, especially when it's something impossible and we really need a miracle. So if Jesus had to, had to seek the Father about where he was to go, what he was to do, and what he was to say, then we need to operate the same way. We can't assume that we can live some other way and get, get the same results that he got. So in a time of need, First of all, we acknowledge him. He's our only God. We have no other gods, and he's our only deliverer. And then we seek him. We inquire of him, and what he quickens to us, that's what we say, and that's what we confess in this particular situation. Now, uh, I don't know, you may have heard me mention the story about uh, the lady who was told by doctors that they were going to have to amputate her foot. And obviously she didn't want her foot amputated. So in a situation like, you know, when the, when the doctor tells you they're going to have to amputate your foot, do you need a miracle in that situation? Yes, yeah, you're going to need a miracle. Mm -hmm. So this lady began to seek the Lord and she began uh, reading in the book of Proverbs. And when she came to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 26, this is what she read. For the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. <laughs> and when she read that, the verse just jumped off the page at her. Wow, wow. She, she just, the, the verse jumped off the page and she knew that's my word. I have heard from God. I've got a word to stand on and they are not going to take my foot off. And she kept her foot. Amen? Amen. She, she heard from God. She had a word to stand on. And she kept her foot. Amen? So this is what I'm talking about. When, when your back's up against the wall, you know, she didn't just start saying, by his stripes I'm healed. You know, I think she knows to go she, to that proverb. Well, Proverbs is a book of wisdom. Yeah, just, it's a book of wisdom. And the Holy Spirit oh, wow. just led her to, to go there. Yeah. She was led by the Holy Spirit to go there. And she got to that verse, and it just jumped off the page. And that was her answer. She had heard from God. Amen? So, so um, a lifestyle of faith is continually checking in with God and hearing with Him, hearing from Him, uh, in addition to exercising the faith principles that we've learned. But, but we need to hear from Him before we just start confessing a bunch of scriptures and just going through the Bible in the concordance or something and just looking for something to start confessing. That lady had a real rhema word from God. Wow. And so, so uh, we cannot separate exercising faith from being led by the Holy Spirit at the same time. 
And once we hear from him, then we can be bold about our confessing. Now, I mentioned in Acts 27, where Paul was a prisoner on that ship going to Rome. And, uh, and one of the places they stopped along the way, uh, Paul had a check in his spirit that they should not travel any further, that they should spend the winter on that island and not go any further. And he told the captain and the owner of the ship what the, he believed the Lord was telling him, that they shouldn't travel any further. And they did not listen to him. They uh, reasoned that the weather was good. They reasoned that the captain had a lot of experience on the sea and that everything would be okay. So they set sail. And for a few days, everything was okay until they ran into this hurricane. And once they hit this hurricane, there was no natural way out of it. Now, maybe today, ships are probably sophisticated enough with the technology and all, they could have maneuvered their way out of this or gone around it or something. But back then, it just didn't happen. So they got carried along by this hurricane with no way out of it. So from the natural, it was a hopeless situation. Um, now, we know uh, Paul was a faith man. Much of what we've learned about our authority in Christ and much of what we've learned about exercising faith comes from his writings. But it's interesting that Paul didn't just stand up in that ship and speak to the storm like Jesus did. Yeah. He could have done that, but he didn't. So let's, let's see what he did do. Um, like I said, we can't separate exercising faith from checking in from, with God and hearing from him. Now, I heard a, a minister tell this story when he was young starting out, he was working on the telephone line, you know, where people would phone in for prayer. Mm -hmm. And he, he answered the phone one day, and this lady was practically hysterical on the phone. Uh, she lived in a large city, and she had been mugged. And she, she was a believer, uh, and she phoned in, and uh, she wasn't really so much physically hurt, but she was just shocked and upset that she, as a believer, this had happened to her because she was a believer. And he didn't really know what to tell her. But he began to ask her some questions. And he said, uh, well, what were you doing in that part of town? Did you have some business there? Or did you need to go there? You know, what, why, did, why were you in that part of town? Uh, and she said, well, I didn't really, um, I didn't really have any business there. Uh, I didn't really have any need to go there. Uh, and she said, before I left home, I had a check in my spirit about going. But I confessed the 91st Psalm, and I went anyway. Now, when she said this, he began to see kind of what had happened here. Um, She, you know, the same Holy Spirit that wrote the 91st Psalm is the same Holy Spirit that's living on the inside of us right now. Yeah. And, and she already had a, 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 feeling. a, a, a feeling, if that's what oh, you want to call it. Yeah. She had a check in her spirit mm -hmm. not to go there. Yeah. 
But she, she grabbed the scripture that she knew and she confessed it. And she tried to override what the Holy Spirit was saying to her now with a, with a scripture. And, and it didn't, it, we, we can't do that. If the Holy Spirit today is saying, don't go, then we can't just grab a scripture and confess it and override what he's indicating to us right now. So that's really what, um, really what the, the, the similar situation that Paul was in on this ship. Uh, one of the reasons he didn't stand up and speak to that storm like Jesus did is because he already had a word from God not to go. He had, God had already put a check in his spirit that they shouldn't travel any further. And uh, God had already put a check in his spirit that they shouldn't travel. So he had already heard from God. He had already heard from God. Uh, so he couldn't just stand up and override that storm like Jesus did because God had already told him not to go. Yes. Yeah. Okay? Yes. So uh, uh, another similar example, uh, God uh, took the Israelites across the Red Sea and he protected them. Now, why couldn't Pharaoh and the Egyptians cross the Red Sea like the Israelites did? Because God gave a word to Moses. They, they got to the sea. Here's the sea behind them. Here's the army coming this way. They're in an impossible situation. And Moses sought the Lord. I mean, this was like an emergency, seeking the Lord. He called out to God, and God said, Why are you calling out to me? Tell the people to go forward. So how does faith come? Faith from God comes by hearing from God. Faith in God comes by hearing from God. They heard from God, go forward. So they could expect God to protect them. That's so good. Yeah. So we must expect in our faith that something will happen because we're doing what he said. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So they had a word from God to go, forward, to go forward. And they could expect God's protection. Yes. Now when Pharaoh tried to do the same thing, they drowned. Because what did God say to Pharaoh? Let my people go. He said, "Let them go." And so all he had faith to do was let him go. Yes. And his gods that he worshipped and acknowledged, they could not protect them when they attempted to cross the sea. No. So, so their gods couldn't protect them, and he tried to act on the same word that God gave Moses, and they drowned. So you, you, you see how that works. So... Uh, Paul already had a word from the Lord, don't travel, stay on this ship, I mean, stay on this island. Now, in the natural, these sailors had done everything they knew to do in the natural in this storm. Uh, they had dumped all the cargo overboard, uh, and they got no control over the ship. It's just going like this, and the, you know... It's going in circles. Yeah, it's just, it's out of control. 
so what Paul did, he went below deck. He began to seek the Lord about what they were, how they were going to get out of this. So he acknowledged that his God was the only deliverer, and he was the only way they were going to get out of this, and he began to seek the Lord. And in Acts 27, 21, it says, But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. So Paul said, I told you so. I told you you should have listened to me. I told you we should have stayed there. But no, you wouldn't listen to me. And so now here we are in an impossible situation. Verse 22, he said, Now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel. What angel? Of the God whom I belong and to whom I serve. So he publicly told these men, the God I serve and the God I belong to is the only God, and he's the one I have just heard from. Uh, that's what we've been talking about. Who's your God? Who do you worship? Many people have replaced God with science and technology and uh, money or, or whatever to fix their situation. So, so he, Paul acknowledged who his God is, who he worships, and now he boldly declares it publicly, who he's trusting for deliverance. He said, I have no other gods, but the God I serve and I belong to, I've heard from him. And in verse 24, the angel said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Now the voice translation says, he said, do not be afraid, Paul. I'm not finished with you yet. You're going to stand before the emperor. So Paul got a word from God that he had an appointment in Rome. He had an assignment. So he had faith that God was going to deliver them and he would be in Rome to keep that appointment. So faith in God comes by hearing from God. So now Paul uh, can boldly confess God's going to deliver us because yeah. I got an appointment in Rome and I'm going to keep it. God's told me I'm going to keep it. So, so we're all going to make it out of this. That's what he was saying. We're all going to make it out of this. And indeed God has granted all those who sail with you. So because this is what I was talking about with Anne because he knew who he was in Christ uh, and he was walking to God and listening to God because of that one man on that ship, God delivered everybody on there, even the unbelievers. So those unbelievers better be glad that that preacher was on the boat. Amen? Amen. And your families better be glad that you're in their family. Amen? Yes. Amen? Yes. They, 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 they are probably totally ignorant, totally ignorant of, of that you're in the bottom of the boat seeking God, you know, like Paul was. These, these, these people on the boat, they just took Paul for granted. They thought, eh, what does a preacher know about sailing? But they better be glad he was on that ship, and your families better be glad that they're in your family. Amen? Praise God. Because of you, 
the whole family can be saved. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Verse 25 of Acts 27. This, if you don't have this highlighted with stars around it, it's one you want to highlight. Acts 27, 25. Uh, Therefore take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. Amen? Amen. The Revised Standard Version says, For I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. So, um, Paul boldly declares that God has answered. He even sent an angel. And he says, I've heard from God. We're all going to make it. And I believe my God, uh, he has told me that uh, it will be just like, it's going to be just like God told me it's going to be. Amen? I believe it shall be even as it was told me. So faith knows ahead of time what God's going to do because he's going to do what he said he's going to do. Amen? Amen. Now, James 1, verse 5, Betsy was talking about wisdom. It says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. So it says we're supposed to ask God for wisdom. We're supposed to ask him for what we need. Uh, even though the Bible says he knows before we ask. In this verse he says to ask. And Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. So he still wants us to ask. Now religion will say, well, God knows the wisdom I need and he'll just give me what I, what I need when, when I need it. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we're to ask according to James 1, 5 and 6. So we are to ask and not just ask, but ask in faith, nothing wavering. Uh, we won't turn there, but you can write down 1 Kings 18, verse 21. Uh, this, is the, this is when they had the showdown between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And, um, you know, they called all the prophets and the, all the people together. And Elijah said, he went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. Now that's what we've been talking about. Who's your God? Who are you, who are you looking to? Who are you serving? Who are you worshiping? And Elijah confronts them and says, you can't have it both ways. You can't serve God and Baal. You can't be wishy-washy. You've got to make up your mind. You can't serve the Lord and Baal. And he said, how long are you going to waver between yes. two opinions. Yes. Amen? Amen. So, so this is what we're talking about. We've got to know who our God is. Amen? And we, uh, we've got to know who's our deliverer. And this is, you know, I think this is a situation a lot of uh, even Christians are in today. They're wishy-washy about 
what they believe and uh, all this uh, tolerance and inclusiveness and you've got at least half the Christians in America believe that there are other ways to be saved besides Jesus. I'm sure that's probably quite common in the Western world. Uh, there confusion of, about uh, how you get saved even. You know, the most basic elementary principles of Christianity. They're, Christians don't know enough of the word to even know uh, you know, how, how we're born again, how, how we're saved. Uh, so they've, they've allowed other things to creep in. They've bought into these ideologies that are incompatible with the word of God. So there, uh, there's a lot of people been sitting on the fence, wishy-washy about who's their God. And I believe that's part of what's happening in the world right now is that God is getting people off the fence. And there isn't going to be any gray area. It's either going to be black or white. And that's, I think that's what he wants to see, where people are going to get off, which side of the fence they're going to get off of, because they're not going to be able to ride the fence anymore. Now, in Daniel 3, when we hear Daniel 3, we should all think about Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and the fiery furnace. That's the first thing that should come to our mind because this is one of the great examples of faith and of God's faithfulness in the Bible. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar gave the mandate that uh, everybody was to bow down to this image that he had set up and everyone who did not bow down would be thrown in the fiery furnace. Our leaders today still mandating policies and threatening people if they don't comply with them. Yeah, still happening today, isn't it? Whatever, uh, 4,000 years ago or something like that, we, today we still have leaders that are uh, forcing people to bow down to their policies and if they don't, they threaten them uh, with uh, you know, some kind of vindication. So when the music played, he gave the instructions. When the music played, everybody bowed down except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were still standing up. So it was very obvious who was standing and who was not bowing. They refused to bow down. Now, why can't they bow down to this image? I mean, you know, they're, uh, you know, are they to obey God or are they to obey man? We still have the same decision today, don't we? Do we obey God or do we obey man? Why can't they bow down to that image? I mean, uh, you know, when, when the devil tempted Jesus in the wilderness, he said, if you will bow down before me, and I think the Amplified Bible says, if you'll bow down before me just once, I will give you all the kingdoms of the world. Um, they, they, you know, the, the same, same temptation. Uh, the reason they could not bow down, the reason Jesus couldn't, the reason Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego couldn't, is because they already had a word from God. They already, they already had heard from God about this. In Exodus 20, we read where God said, 
Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. That's why they couldn't bow down. They already had a word from God in Exodus 20. Um, and this is what we've been talking about. Who's your God? So in order to comply with this king's demand, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have had to turn their back on God. And they would have had to acknowledge another God and bow down and serve another God. That, that's what they would have had to do. Uh, but they weren't wishy-washy about it. Did they waver? Did they waver about what they were going to do? No. Were they perplexed? Were they undecided? No. Did they call a meeting, a prayer meeting? <laughs> no. They made their decision, we're not going to do it. I mean, they, it was already made up long ago, before they even were put in this position. So when the king was told that they refused to bow down, he called them. He said, is it true, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? So it's evident that the king liked him because he wanted to give them another chance to change their mind. Right. Uh, verse 15, he said, Now, if you are ready at the time, you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and you worship the image which I have made, good. In other words, it's all going to be all right. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Now that's arrogance, isn't it? Yeah. That is cocky and arrogant. Do these three men need a miracle to get out of this? I think so. <laughs> I think so. Their backs are against the wall. And, the, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they answered the king. They said, O king, we, do not, we, we have no need to answer you in this matter. The Living Bible says, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not worried about what will happen to us. We're not worried about what will happen to us. Are they being tolerant and inclusive? Are they being tolerant of other gods? Are they open to worshiping other gods? No. Are they obeying the king's mandate even though it's contrary to the word of God? No. They refuse to do it. Should they obey God or man? We still have to, we're still being asked the same question today, aren't we? Should they obey God or man? Are they wavering? Are they wishy-washy about what they're going to do? Or are they fully persuaded? They're fully persuaded. In verse 17, they said, If that is the case, in other words, if you do throw us in the fire, our God, 
Our God, whom we serve, not your God, but our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And not only is he able, he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Now, they are publicly acknowledging their God, not his God. Who are they trusting in for deliverance? They're telling him publicly. They're unequivocally boldly, publicly declaring who their God is and they are fully persuaded that he will deliver them. This is faith in action. Now, verse 18 is misinterpreted by quite a few other translations of the Bible. It's a mis often misinterpreted. Many of these other translations say in verse 18. Now, they've just said, if you do throw us into fire, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us and he will deliver us. Some of the other translations in verse 18 says, but if he doesn't deliver us, that is not what they said. That is a misinterpretation of the Bible. That is not in the text. They did not say if God doesn't deliver us. That would be wavering. That would be wavering if they had said, if God doesn't deliver us. What's in the text is, but if not. It says, but if not. Uh, the, um, well, it says, but if not. So, what does that mean? It means, if you do not throw us in the fire, we're not going to worship your God nor the image you've set up. If you do throw us in the fire, our God is able to deliver us and he will deliver us. Yes. That's what they said. Yes. They never said if God doesn't deliver I us. Know, yeah. If, if they would have said if he doesn't deliver us, they're already wavering. And we know they're not wavering. We know they're already persuaded. Uh, if they are thrown in the fire, they're expecting God to deliver them. That's what they said. So the King James Version says, but if not, if you don't throw us in the fire, we do not serve your gods nor worship the image you set up. If you do throw us in, our God's able to deliver us and he will. That's what they said. So a lot of these other translations have, have misinterpreted and, it, and people have read it the wrong way. So they know who their God is. They know who their God is. Whether you throw us in the fire or you don't throw us in the fire, either way, we will not serve your God. That's what they said. Now, one more example. Second Chronicles 20. When you hear Second Chronicles 20, you also think of another great faith story and a great example of deliverance. We have the story of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and these multiple armies gathered around them to, make, to attack them and make war against them unprovoked. Uh, and they were greatly outnumbered. And uh, in verse 3, Jehoshaphat feared and set himself. In other words, he, he, um, he set himself to seek God. That's what it means. He set himself to seek the Lord. Do they need a miracle here? 
They got three armies coming at them. They're vastly outnumbered. They have to have a miracle. So what did Jehoshaphat do? Number one, he acknowledged who his God is, the God of Israel. Amen. And he sought him. He sought the Lord about what they were to do. He didn't just assume something. He didn't just grab a scripture and start quoting it. He sought the Lord. And he proclaimed a national fast. And all the people came together to seek the Lord, to ask for his help, and to hear from him. That's what Paul did. That's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. That's what Jehoshaphat did. He said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God? Isn't this what we're talking about? He's acknowledging, he's, he's telling God, you're our God. We're looking to you. We're not looking to anybody else. We're not looking to any other gods. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? So he's acknowledging our God is a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not any other God. If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. O oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Amen. 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 So they're, they're looking to the God of Abraham, not any other gods, and they're acknowledging him as the only true living God and their only source of deliverance. So the king, all the officials, all the families have come together to corporately acknowledge who their God is. Can you see the power in this? Can you see the power in this? Verse 15, and the word of the Lord came to one of the men. Do not be afraid. Isn't that what the angel said to Paul? Do not be afraid nor uh, dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Amen. Hallelujah. They, uh, they've heard from God. They, got, they came together to acknowledge God publicly and to seek the Lord. Um, and they heard from God. They didn't even have to fight. They, put, um, they marched toward the enemy, praising God. And as they marched, they, they stepped out on the word that God gave them. They started marching toward the enemy, praising God. And God caused all the enemy to turn on each other and to destroy each other. They didn't even have to fire an arrow. They didn't even have to pull a sword. And for some strange reason, the enemy brought all their valuables and all their fine jewelry with them to the battle. And it took Judah three days to gather up all the spoils that were left there as the enemy destroyed one another. This is one of the miraculous deliverances 
in the Bible. But notice, there was no wavering about who their God was. Paul didn't waver about who his God was. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not waver about who their God was. Jehoshaphat did not waver about who their God was. And once they heard from him, there was no wavering about what they were going to do. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's say this together. Father, you are my God. Father, you are my God. My only God. And only you I worship and serve. Now, somebody might say, well, what, what if our leaders don't call out to God for help like Jehoshaphat did? What if our leaders don't acknowledge God and they don't look to him for help? Well, we have Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. So even if our leaders don't acknowledge God, if the people of God will, if the people of God will acknowledge God and seek him, he will answer. He says, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and heal their land. So just like in Acts 27, God delivered that whole ship full of men, mostly unbelievers, uh, because one man, Paul, was on board who acknowledged God. And the body of Christ, we are the salt of the earth. We are the preservative. And God will do great things for us because we ask him, He'll do the same for us, but we cannot be wavering about who our God is and whom we serve. Amen? We cannot be wavering, but we know. We know who our God is, and we know whom we serve. Amen? Amen. 